This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. The dog vomit version, bro. Of the Monty Show. Man, do we have a story. We are on little... Oh, well, we, I say we. You have a story. We. I am on little sleep because my dog chose to throw up his dinner all over the upstairs portion of the Monty compound. Including right on your bed like Amber Heard. Wow. Did you really just bring up Amber Heard? I, what? What? It happened to her? It could happen to the best of us. So my dog threw up on the landing of the stairs at the top of the stairs in the hallway on my bathroom floor and on my bed. <laughs> he just like spread that stuff around all over upstairs. Yeah. And I didn't know about this until 10:15 when I went upstairs to go to bed. And so then I was up until like 11 something. Jesus. And I still got up at 4:30 and took a nice hot You're shower. welcome. We're here doing the yeah, show. Yeah, for you, so, you I know, sacrifice and stuff. Pay to have your comment read. Help us. Yeah, you going to thank me or what? Yeah. Anyway, all right. Good um, talk. Good talk. Glad you're here. Uh, <laughs> we have got a lot to get to today. By the way, today is National Sex Day. Wow. Um, wow. So we're going to talk about all kinds of things. Wow. Later in the show, but we're going to tell you how to get free donuts all summer long. Wow. Free donuts. I said free. Fat donuts. Right off the top. What's your favorite donut place that that you could think of? Oh man, uh, Harmons. Harmons has good Harman's donuts. Harmons has really Harman's has great donuts. I think a lot of people don't understand that Harmons bakes their donuts fresh every day. Bomb, dude. And they are really, really good. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't eat a lot of donuts. Somebody sent us donuts. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we never did figure out who the donut bandit was. Yeah. Who sent us donuts? What the f are you? Yeah, like Starlight Donuts or something like that. I can't even remember the name of it, but sent us donuts and there was no note attached yeah so we appreciate you sending us donuts um it's a little weird you sent them to my house like how do you know where i live uh but thanks for that this is I, code tenable. i don't know I, I i guess if i'm buying donuts i don't know where i buy donuts i'm from. a big blueberry old-fashioned fan oh yeah blueberry old-fashioned yes and and we're gonna tell you about a place that's gonna allow you to get free donuts for the summer or whatever but no purchase necessary <clears throat> yeah either. Well, later in the show we'll tell you about you this, just but... walk in and you tell them these nuts okay. i mean donuts. I, I don't i don't think that that's actually what you say don't walk into Harmon's and say hey can i get some free d's nuts don't do that you yeah don't don't do that uh anyway we'll talk about that we've got to talk about the washington commanders here's a big surprise the washington football team has another scandal what i know what i know i i know it is really shocking uh, but let's start talking NBA hoop. And as usual, uh, there's a lot of salacious rumors around the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. And yesterday there was a raging debate as to who the better player was, Rudy Gobert or DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns. I don't think this is close. For the record, I don't think this is close. There is only one choice. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you about that in three minutes, so you have to watch longer. My point is, uh, 
My point is DeAndre Ayton is a lot of things on offense. He is really talented. He can shoot the ball. He can finish at the rim. My biggest complaint about DeAndre Ayton is he's soft. He's a nice guy. He's not mean-spirited. I appreciate his offensive game, but Jake, I think DeAndre Ayton has a whole lot of holes in his game. Yeah, I think there's a lot of maturing and growing that has to happen for DeAndre Ayton. And really, you know, I would even go as far as to say that I think, you know, comparing these two, while it is a great comparison for conversation's sake, I mean, it's the ultimate, you know, um, you know, this guy versus that guy, this guy does one thing, that guy does the other, and they're pretty equal, you know, for what they do. But what I would tell you is that I think, you know, both players are soft mentally, in my opinion, but I think DeAndre Ayton is softer. I think DeAndre Ayton struggles with adversity, and I I think, you know, for DeAndre Ayton, wonderful offensive big man, can shoot the jumper, you know, understands spacing in the pick and roll really well, um, can be really nifty with it, like understands how to use space to his advantage. But the problem is, is that for all of that great offensive ability, He's a turnstile on defense, and the problem with being a turnstile as a big is the guy you're guarding is two feet from the basket. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's a pretty high percentage look when you're not good defensively, and we haven't even gotten into pick-and-roll defense or, or switches or anything like that. So to me, you know, who's better or or maybe who's more valuable? I would tell you right here today, Rudy Gobert is more valuable. This is, this is a guy who's a three-time defensive player of the year, you know exactly what he's capable of doing on the defensive end. And I think, I, I will say this, as much as we've talked about Rudy on the show, I do think that his his reputation, if you will, or or maybe how he's viewed in the league, does suffer quite a bit because of the fact that the Jazz don't have perimeter defense. If he was on a team, and we talked all about this with the Bulls yesterday, but if he was on a team that that had better defense and played a little bit slower of a pace, I think his reputation in the league would be a lot better. So that's why I say I think right now DeAndre Ayton is a cut below Rudy Gobert, but I love the conversation. I do think it is the ultimate, you know, comparison of two players. I don't think this is even close. Rudy Gobert is a better player. Yeah. And I understand that DeAndre Ayton had a career year. Um, I was a hundo P against drafting DeAndre Ayton. And I think you're seeing why, because DeAndre has never been tested. Mm -hmm. And now he gets tested, and he completely collapsed during the NBA playoffs. He got out-rebounded by Luka Doncic in a series. That's crazy to me, coming off of a career year. And when you look at his numbers, yes, he averages 17 points a game. Um, Yes, he had a career year in field goal percentage. That's all well and good. DeAndre Ayton is not a guy that wants to bang. He's not a killer. And the one thing I can always say about Rudy Gobert is he wants to block every single shot that's taken by by the opponent. Yeah. Every single shot he wants to block it. He wants every single rebound. I wish Rudy was tougher. I wish Rudy Gobert was meaner. I wish Rudy wanted a street fight. But he's not that guy. And neither is DeAndre Ayton. But the thing that I can count on from Rudy Gobert, I know what I'm going to get every single night from Rudy. I'm going to get elite rim protection. I don't know what I'm going to get from DeAndre Ayton. I get a a guy that, frankly, doesn't have a whole lot of want to on defense. And I think a lot of that is DeAndre Ayton simply lacks, you know, sharp defensive instincts. He doesn't stay attached to his guy. You know, the other thing I hate about DeAndre Ayton's game, he, he doesn't catch the ball well. Like when he's in traffic, forget it. He's not catching the ball. 
If you throw him a lob up at the rim, he's going to catch it every time. Yeah. If you throw him a chest-high pass in traffic, you're probably 60% of the time. He is not a good catcher of the ball, and he doesn't have strong hands. And I think that is something that he has to vastly improve on. And DeAndre Ayton has to want to kill people. That really is the one thing that's missing in his game. If DeAndre Ayton would bring this offensive package with intensity on defense, this wouldn't be a conversation. He's an assassin. Yeah, but it is a conversation because DeAndre Ayton doesn't bring a killer instinct. And, you know, frankly, Jake, when I look at the Phoenix Suns and, and this situation with DeAndre Ayton, I think it is imperative that they move on from this, this drama. They have to to thrive and get back to competing for championships. Because let's be honest about the Phoenix Suns, Jake. Yeah. I don't think they competed for a championship this year. No, I mean, they took a step back. There's no doubt. And, and, and listen, with all due respect to Dallas, Phoenix should have beat Dallas. And, and I think that, you know, the 50-point the, the embarrassment that was that elimination game or whatever, I think the only reason that happened is because they fell apart as a team. Like, if you... If you watch this show regularly or if you follow the Jazz regularly, you know we talked all about how, you know, Rudy in the locker room had some some moments this this season. There's yeah. no really other way to put it. And I think that that same dynamic was at play in Phoenix once the conver uh, once the contract situation uh, began for DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Once the Suns yeah. didn't want to give him that money. And, and I think your point about him not catching the ball, I think that might be one of the single – biggest differences in these two players because Rudy Gobert is if not the best rebounder one of he's a top five rebounder in the league no doubt about it by anybody's measure and I think that the the Jazz don't ask Rudy to catch the ball a ton like they don't obviously use him offensively the way the Suns use DeAndre Ayton offensively so I guess from that standpoint it's not necessarily a fair comparison but I, I know, like you were saying, hey, Rudy's consistent. You know what you're getting. You know you're getting 20 boards out of Rudy like basically every single night. And if it's not 20, it's like 17, 18. And for me, that consistency in his game is really valuable to teams that are set up to cater to his style of play. I'm not saying that Rudy Gobert is the best big in the league. I'm not saying that. I think there are guys ahead of him in that standpoint. But what I am saying is that when you compare him against DeAndre Ayton, I would rather have Rudy Gobert. And By I, a lot. And I think Rudy could thrive again. Yeah. I just want to say this again. As far as trades are concerned, he would thrive in Chicago. He would thrive in Toronto. He'd I, thrive I, in Phoenix. Yeah. I think if Rudy Gobert was on the Phoenix Suns, he'd be a different player. And yeah. I, I, I think, you know, frankly speaking, I think DeAndre Ayton could thrive with Utah. The problem is the Jazz are not good defensively. Mm -hmm. And you know, making that trade doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. I'm not saying that's going to happen or even been discussed. Yeah. But when we compare these two, I think Rudy Gobert is a guy that can fit on a, in a couple of situations. He needs to be on a team. That's an offensive juggernaut, frankly. Um, but I look at Deandre Ayton. He just needs to be better. Monty Williams doesn't clash with a whole lot of guys. DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams don't like each other. They don't respect each other, and it's got to come to an end. Yeah. And if I'm the Phoenix Suns, I'm trying to get that deal done as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's probably a sign-in trade, but I think we've also talked about this ad nauseum on the show. This is why the Suns didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Yep. Remember that he's going into his fifth year in the league, and he's going to be a restricted free agent, and they're going to sign and trade him. Yeah. And I think it's absolutely the right move. Because they have got to find somebody who more fits with the style of Devin Booker and Chris Paul, mainly, because those two guys are killers. Those two guys play at a very high level of intensity. And 
to me, DeAndre Ayton just doesn't fit there. Yeah. When you're getting outplayed by JaVale McGee on, on, in, in intensity, excuse me, when JaVale McGee is bringing more of a, a killer instinct to the floor than DeAndre Ayton, that's a problem because look how limited JaVale McGee is. Well, what has he got though? Multiple rings because he has those intangibles that DeAndre Ayton does not bring to the floor. So I think you got to move on mainly because Monty Williams is a great coach. And I think, hey, Monty, uh, I think Monty <laughs> Williams is the priority there. And this is one of the very few situations, and I think we've talked about this a lot too, this is one of the very few situations where the coach has more pull than the star player. Yeah. Which you don't see very often in the NBA or in any sport, but it goes to tell you about where DeAndre Ayton stands with this team. Now, having said that, you look at Rudy Gobert, Jake, I think when the day that he's not wearing the note on his chest anymore, that's going to be a significant day for the Utah Jazz and it's going to be a real test of who remains on this roster, specifically Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Because much like DeAndre Ayton, Rudy Gobert's a huge part of what the Utah Jazz have done over the last what ten years. Yeah, I mean, really. it, I, I mean, it's. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it's an end of an era when when they do trade yes. him. And I think that I, I I think that on the show it's no secret we get a lot of heat for what we say about Rudy, and and, and I'm I'm not going to shy away from that. I still think that his offensive shortcomings really hurt him as far as league leaders and you know you know how far the jazz could have gotten with their current roster and, and all those things but I think you know in the parlance of this conversation I think that Rudy again is an extremely valuable asset given the setup is correct and and again I think we need to shy away from or get away from this concept of well you got to caveat it by saying he's an extremely valuable asset given the situation or given the right setup. Sure. A lot of guys are like that now. I mean, why do we why do we shame Bigs Bigs right? And we're not going to shame the three and D guy. The three and D guy is quintessential. Only works in certain setups. The difference is is that the league is gone three and D because there's so yeah. many of those guys. Yeah, you know? no kidding. So now like it's it's an accepted thing. So that's why I say like there is a trade market for Rudy. Rudy is going when he gets to his next team wherever that is, he's going to put up numbers. And I think the only question honestly that remains for Rudy Gobert is if he'll get a championship before it's all said and done. But you know you well, actually, you know what I think the main question about Rudy Gobert is? Is there any more growth in his game? That's a huge question because I I think DeAndre Ayton's got a lot of growth potential. I think he is I think he is just scratching the surface of who he is as a player. So I think there's a lot of growth potential in in DeAndre Ayton. I don't know if there's any growth potential in Rudy Gobert. He may well be at his ceiling. Um and if if that is in fact the case, I mean there's a lot of general managers around this league who are going to lean into DeAndre Ayton a hell of a lot more because he's younger. He's making far less money, and he's a guy that you view as somebody that you can develop. I, I don't know. Does, does Rudy Gobert have more improving growth ability to add to his game? I'm, I'm not – I'm not convinced he does. Well, I mean, I think if the, it, I mean, yeah, I think he could. I think he definitely could. Like I, like I will always maintain that I think whether you're 20 or whether you're 35, you can you can get better at shooting a basketball. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's just a basic concept. I I think that for Rudy, I don't think, and this is just based on what I've seen. I don't think there's a desire to 
get better offensively. I don't think that there's a belief that he needs to get better offensively. Well, wait, wait, wait. Explain that. Does he- I don't think that I don't think that dude thinks that he needs to go to the gym and work on his jump shot. I don't think he thinks, oh well, because you know I can't shoot the elbow jumper. That means I need to work on that. I don't think honestly, because if he did, he would come back with a jump shot. How do you explain? Again, and and I'm not. I, I'm only comparing these two be in this particular area. How do you explain that Giannis Antetokounmpo could not shoot a basketball? It was a liability. They were playing hack a Giannis, and now all of a sudden, over the course of two to three seasons, dude is now shooting mid range. Dude is shooting threes. Like he's knocking down all this stuff. I just can't get down with the idea that Rudy Gobert can't develop a jump shot. It, to me, it's a lack of desire to want to do but it. But here's the thing. For him to be a much more effective offensive player, Rudy Gobert doesn't need a jump shot. What Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert needs is the ability to dribble the ball, and he needs the ability to have a post move. And the one move that I think really shows you what, how Giannis has grown is not the the top of the key jumper. It's the turnaround jump shot from the low block. Mm-hmm. That's the shot that Rudy Gobert does not have. That's the shot that defined an era for Shaquille O'Neal. And I think if Rudy could just dribble, I want to say he was the second lowest rated player in the NBA with his back to the basket. Yeah, my thing with That's Rudy, what's got to be He fixed. doesn't have the athleticism. That's the problem. He doesn't have the athleticism. The only thing he's got working for him is the height. He can just shoot over you. So... Yes, he could develop that, but my point is the guy plays pick and roll so much, it's an obvious it's an obvious asset in his game to be able to pick and pop instead of roll in certain situations. Oh, sure, and, sure, and, yeah. And so yeah. to me, whether it's a push shot or whether it's a traditional jumper, like whatever whatever we want to call that, he has to have the ability to to hit a shot from just inside the free throw I, I line. just think that's asking too much. I mean, that you're asking an old dog to, to well, do new tricks. Well, what's not asking I mean, too much? Though, I, like, I, I think mean, you have to. He has to. Rudy Gobert, his development and growth at this stage of his career, because he's not young anymore, by the way, I think his development and growth at this stage of his career is footwork. And if he will improve his footwork, he'll – I mean, just body positioning with your back to the basket. He has no idea – or at least this past season, he had no idea how to use his shoulder width to not turn the ball over in the post. The, like the basic shit that we all work on as eighth graders. Yeah. He doesn't have that. And he doesn't have the ability to to dribble on any level at all. When he puts the ball on the floor, he routinely gets it picked. That's an issue. And a huge issue. He's got to fix that. So... When we talk about growth, I think DeAndre Ayton has far more growth potential than Rudy Gobert. I think there there's no think doubt about that. But I don't think it's just because of the age, though. I don't think it's just because of the age. I think DeAndre Ayton's a more athletic big. I think he's got he's a little bit more versatile. He with has he plays a better body to add yeah. to his game. I would agree with that. So I like, think Rudy's got ten foot long legs, and he his athletic ability is not natural. Yeah. He has to he has to work on that. He's got to try and. One of the things that I think matters is it, DeAndre Ayton has touch around the rim. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton has a finger roll. He can you know, like he can finish on multiple levels. It is far more difficult to develop that kind of skill. The innate, natural, instinctive ability to put a ball in a basket is is one that you have to. If you have to work on that, if you have to practice that, if you have to learn how to be, you know, soft around the rim. 
have finger roll, have like, that's almost impossible to do. Yeah. And if you're not doing that early in your life, you're probably not going to do that in your thirties in the NBA. So I think the one, the, the, the area of growth is footwork and just basic post basketball for Rudy Gobert. I, the problem with DeAndre Ayton is the same thing that Rudy's dealing with. Instinctually on defense, there is a zero there for DeAndre Ayton, as I said before. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really difficult. I, I don't know if you can teach killer mentality. I actually don't think you can. You can't teach that, you know, and uh, use Mamba mentality, use, you know, Michael Jordan's killer instinct. I don't think you can teach that. And drop that motherfucker. That's not who DeAndre Ayton is. He's never displayed that in his entire career. Ayton has never displayed a killer instinct. He's never displayed. DeAndre Ayton doesn't want to dunk on two dudes. Like he doesn't want to throw down in your face and demoralize you. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. He just wants to hit a nice little teardrop jumper and trot back on defense and grab a rebound and make a nice outlet pass. And wear the Puma as well. All right, cool. Like, that's who DeAndre Ayton is. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that's an issue. I do. I, I Again, I, I am unchanged on this. Rudy Gobert, in my opinion, is a superior player. Yeah. I, I just think his impact on a game, their impact on the game is equal but opposite. Yeah. yeah. That's very clear. I'd rather have a guy in Rudy Gobert that I can put on a team that's got offensive weaponry than have to teach a guy how to be mean defensively. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I, that's my thought. All right, let's get your thoughts in here on this. Good morning, James Knight. He says, sup, lads. Leonard, Don, and Endelove, we back. LDN, good to see you. Giggity, what's up early in this morning? Good to see you, my friend. Uh, Leonard says, uh, DeAndre Ayton is good, but seriously inconsistent. The guy is seven foot, but can't play to his height. Imagine being out-rebounded by Luka in the playoffs. That's just oh, funny. Brutal. So rough, dude. Brutal. James Knight says it wasn't 4X, but I thought Donuts was a good substitute. You're welcome. Oh. That would be amazing if you were the one that sent us Donuts. In all seriousness, I don't know what, a month ago now? Yeah, someone's someone's got to claim credit for it, you know? Yeah, somebody... I'm telling Dude, you, I am you done. okay, bro? I am done with okay? spiders. I am done Catch with... Catch me outside. How about that? Dude. <laughs> I am done with spiders. God, dog. It was crawling on my leg a minute ago, and I thought I killed it, and now it was on my desk. And I, and the pr the problem is, I think I killed it, but there's no spider dead DNA on my hand, and it's but no not one's gonna on disrespect me. I'm telling you, man, I will break your back. I will crush you, spider. I'm not afraid to die. Clearly, you're not afraid to die. When I die, I'm going to paradise. <laughs> See, and Mrs. Monty's the person that's like, "Oh, get a cup. Let's put it outside." <laughs> oh, no. flamethrower, bro. Flamethrower. I will burn the house down to kill us. Get the fuck out i will burn the house down to kill a spider and now i now i'm itching and like woosah now i feel like there's spiders on like dude there was one just yesterday nice AC, okay just relax huge black spider crawling on the entertainment center yeah does jake go and kill it yes no you lost it for a minute i didn't lose it it, I was in visual contact the whole time. I was just waiting for the right opportunity. It Boat. was one of those spiders, the jumping spiders, that are really fast. Okay. Do you have to so, say that? So you, Do you have, have to time to say it that? right. You have to say it. God, you have dog. to time it right, man. Come on. Okay. 
Refo- <sighs> refocus. Yeah. Come on. Refocus. Yeah. Okay. James Knight, if if you sent us donuts, that would have been amazing. Um, somebody, so there was a knock at the door a month ago. And that was when I was actually making money at Yelp. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm kidding. I'm in the middle of a sales cycle that's killing me. Uh, but anyway, um, I left, I, did, I thought it was just Amazon dropping off a package. So I left it there. I go upstairs to get it. It's a box of donuts. Hmm. And it just has my name written on it and a thank you note. Nobody else who sent it, what, nothing. Mm-hmm. Just a thanks, Monty. <laughs> like, oh, uh, okay, I can't even shout you out. James, yeah. I actually hope it was you. Um, you know, Greg Hawkins says, sup all you blue cheese wing flat haters. Dude, Damn right. No blue cheese. Damn no right. Blue cheese. By the way, broke out the Traeger last night for some bomb, Papa Murphy's bomb. during the NBA finals. So yes. bomb. Uh, wow, Leonard going in. Leonard says, uh, I disagree respectfully. Rudy has reached his ceiling in his career. Aiton has potential to be more. That's my view. I can respect that. I, I don't mean, disagree with that. Aiton has the potential to be a better player yeah. when it's all said and done. I just don't think it's going to happen because he's mentally soft. Leonard also says, um, we haven't seen much of his offensive game. Post game is good. Floater is nice, but he needs more uh, aggression. He gets bullied way too often but big, by big men in the league. And lastly, he's not worth $200 million, But however, I think a $185, $187 million contract is okay because his talent and promise uh, to maybe become a superstar. Yeah, you're buying future DeAndre. I would agree with that. Yeah. You're investing in his development, which yeah. is another reason he he isn't a great fit with the with the Jazz because yeah, they, they don't develop yeah. guys. Well, and they're not they're not buying players for for five years from now. It's for now. Yep, Mitchell Harding. Good morning to you, man. He says, "Hey, fellas, I think it's uh, conclusive that Rudy is better, not on both ends of the floor, but Rudy can take a bad team into a good team just by the way he shapes defense." Well. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I thought you were done. Aiton can't even do that. Yeah, and, and I think the, the, the conversation really is like when you get down to it is like the Rudy Gobert's defensive contribution outweighs DeAndre Ayton's offensive contribution. Yes. So, when again, when you look at the rebounding, when you look at the blocks, when you look at, you know, just the space that Rudy eats, he makes it difficult on a lot of offenses. And I think the baskets that he saves by hit, by playing that level of defense – are are more significant to the outcome of a game than the baskets DeAndre Ayton is getting offensively. Well, and I think you have five, six other guys on the Suns. I mean, think about it. Book, Paul, uh, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder um, Campaign, Torrey like, Craig. Torrey Craig. You have a bunch of other dudes who can put the ball on the hoop. Even Biombo. I'm my point is. DeAndre Ayton's just too mentally soft for me. Yeah. I mean, that's the and, – and, again, I, I agree that Rudy Gobert is soft, but at least he does one thing at an elite level. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton is so frustrating. He is incredibly frustrating. Uh, Josh Martin, thank you for the tip. He gives us five more dollars. Appreciate that, man. Uh, what's our best option for Conley? Trade, keep, release, if trade, to what team? I I think you're going to trade him. I don't know to what team. I think I think that the Conley situation is going to be dictated by the Gobert trade. I yeah. think that depending on what you get back, I mean, if you were to get back a, a Patrick Williams from Chicago, let's say, as part of a Vucevic deal, well, then it's a little more palatable to keep Conley because now you've got some scoring. Now you've got a little bit more of a dynamic wing at Well, play. and you have a lot more defense on that wing. I mean, if you just – if you take out Rudy Gobert, add Vucevic, and you take out a 
Um, you know, you take out, because if you bring Pat Williamson, you're going to trade Boyan Bogdanovich. There's no doubt about that. So if you plug in a, a, a Pat Williams for Boyan Bogdanovich, is Patrick Williams even a starter in this league right now? I, I, w- I think that's open for discussion. Um, so it's not as simple as, well, we're going to, we're going to acquire Vucevic and Patrick Williams. Cause by the way, again, that's a starting point. That's not the finished trade. Right. Um, I don't think that's nearly enough for Rudy. Um, but you're going to need, you want You'd want to move somebody with him and it's not going to be Mike Conley. Yeah. Um, because I think Conley has value on a, on a one-off deal of his own. Yes. So I, I would just tell you that I probably would, I probably would, I could see value for a lot of teams with Mike Conley. Certainly the Lakers, certainly Dallas. Um, you look at teams that are lacking a pure point guard. What if Mike Conley was a Boston Celtic right now? Yeah. You know, I mean, wh- how would that impact them? I'd be trying to use Conley in a three-teamer. That's what I'd be trying to do. I, I, I don't I, disagree I would, with that. I would, I would offer Conley to playoff contenders in the East or the West, either way. And, and I would be trying to get – uh, again, more wing talent that's younger and more athletic. That's what I try to do. Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, Giggity says, do you remember Rudy draining those threes in the Olympics? Yeah. How about Rudy in practice shooting three-pointers? Yeah, good good use of your time. Good use of your time, buddy. You know. Uh, he's gonna, By the way, he's going to play for uh, France again this summer. Yeah, I'm sure he will. So we'll see how they use him. Uh, Harpeet Bahapal. Good morning. Uh, says Rudy will never be able to play offense. Probably not. Probably not. Tanner Plummer. Hey, hey guys. Mm-hmm. Hey Tanner, how are you, buddy? Mm-hmm. Tanner says, uh, who's better? Probably Aiton because he's better offensive player than Rudy. And the NBA is an offensive league right now. Well, hey guys, that's a. There's a hey lot guys. of merit in that. There is a lot of merit in that discussion. What do you value more? Um, I just think that right now. It's interesting. I just don't hear a lot of general managers that value big men because this is a wing league, man. Yeah, this big is men a, aren't what win. This is a uh, this is a hybrid league now. You need you need guys that can play two, three, four. That's what you need. And again, that's why Patrick Williams would be such an important part of a of a Bulls trade. I look at uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. His value was that. He could play multiple positions. He could be a 3-4 guy. That's not who that dude is anymore. Yeah. So, you, it, I just don't see – like, I, I look at Mikael Bridges in Phoenix. He is a very important player because he can defend – you know, I, he defends point guards all the way down to power forwards. But he can also take up point guards all the way down to power forwards on offense. Like, you can run pick and roll with him. The pick and roll has become such an important part of everybody's repertoire that – you need players who can who can play multiple positions in the pick and roll. Yes. So I think big men struggle with that. So you need you need guys like you look at what Boston runs out um, at the big. I, they frankly don't run a whole lot of bigs. Then you look at what Williams is giving them. What is Williams' best skill for them? Well, he's a, he's one of the best shot blockers in the NBA. Yep. So again, it's defense. Well, but then you have Al Horford. Who also is a big, but Al Horford's a three-four-five guy. Mm-hmm. Al Horford can but play. That's what I mean. He's a different kind of yes. big, and that's why I say like I don't think that it's the conversation has shifted from well, you're a five, or you're like you know you're a center, to hey, you're just a big, and depending on what your skill set you know allows you to do, that's how you're you know that's how the team's going to use you. So that's why I think the 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 Robert Williams Al Horford dynamic is so powerful for the Celtics because. Williams comes in and is a bruiser and is more of a shot blocking 
big body who's out rebounding the Warriors last night and just dominating them. And then Al Horford comes in, and you're getting a completely different style. You're getting pick and roll, pick and pop threes. I mean, you're getting a, a much more finesse game out of Al Horford. So I think it's just really Absolutely. interesting that dynamic. And that's why I say, like, this discussion also needs to be said that this discussion, it's difficult to have a defining answer or conclusive answer because it depends on the guys around your your big man. I mean, Al Horford wouldn't be Al Horford if Marcus Smart couldn't feed him. You know, Robert Williams wouldn't be Robert Williams if they had no offense around him because then his offensive lack or his lacking of ability offensively would be on full display. Yeah. That's the problem. I, I, and I, the again, Robert Williams wants to crush your soul. Yes, he does. He's mean. And, so and does why, Joel Embiid. But why is that, though? Because that team wants to crush your soul in Boston. Yes, they're gritty. You know, like, I love that. And, and by the way, we let's mix in some Game 3 talk because one of the things that should terrify you if you're a Golden State Warrior fan, Jake, is that Golden State's got no answer for the physicality that Boston brought to the floor last night. And you, you have to look no further than Al Horford jumping on Steph Curry's legs last night. Mm-hmm. You have to look no further than, you know, you look at Marcus Smart and the way he used his body last night, and you look at Robert Williams, you look at Al Horford, you look at Jason Tatum, and I'm t- this this whole thing, you got you got that air kicking, smack up in the face over your stupid Jalen Brown comment <laughs> yesterday. I'm not wrong. You want to run that Jalen Brown comment I'll die again? on this hill, bro. Jalen Brown's a better player than Donovan Mitchell right now today. So many people were pissed about that. Yeah, I think Jalen Brown has a better body. I think he's bigger than Donovan. I think Jalen Brown has played significantly more playoff basketball. I think he's hit bigger shots. I think he's 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 been relied on much more. And I think you're not seeing the hero ball crap out of, out of, out of Jalen Brown. You're not seeing it. And, yeah, sure, he gets the luxury of playing with – with Jason Tatum, but everybody wanted to write this guy off, and everyone wanted to say, "Well, you know, like when they lost to LeBron." Boston in the Eastern was Conference trying Finals, to trade Jalen Brown. Like when they lost to LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals, it wasn't that Jason Tatum didn't play well. It was that, oh, well, Jalen Brown's just not good enough. Jason Tatum doesn't have a number two. Yeah, and now all of a sudden, Jalen Brown is the guy that's coming out and dominating uh, this series. Listen it, it, again, if we're comparing guys, I'd rather have Jalen Brown today, right now. I'd rather have Jalen Brown than Donovan Mitchell. In the long run, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be one of the elite players of his generation. But he's not right now. And I think Tatum and Brown are better than than Donovan Mitchell. I think that's this is the Devin Booker argument. Yeah. Devin Booker is a better player than Donovan Mitchell right now. Is that going to be the case a year from now? I would guess not because I think Donovan Mitchell is going to come back with that killer mentality and he's going to have an elite mid-range game. And if that's the case, Donovan Mitchell is going to be better than all those guys we just talked about but we still need to see him do that. Yeah. And what I'm saying is I agree with you. Jalen Brown is a better player than Donovan Mitchell right now. And and I the, the thing that should terrify you if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, Dub Nation, mm-hmm. you're just not as tough as Boston. Yeah. And Boston beat you with toughness last night. How bad is Steph Curry's ankle, foot, knee thing? Because he did a really good job disguising what the injury was. My guess is it's a it's a foot. Um, cause that looked fricking gnar when, when Horford was after a loose ball. Yeah. I'm probably leaning Boston in this series, but Friday night, that's going to go a long way to determine who wins the NBA championship. Yeah. I think that I, I don't think that we should so quickly abandon the golden state warriors and their ability to win the series. I do think the physicality, I a hundred percent agree. I think but, the Boston Celtics, but let's be clear. I'm not saying that the series is over. Yeah, but you're, I'm you're saying I would lean Boston because I think Boston, if they figured out, 
that if you body the the Golden State Warriors, you're going to beat them. And I think the other on the other side of the coin, though, how about Klay Thompson just whipping it out and slapping you in the face with his jumper last night? Yeah. And like, I, that dude had a point to prove. And I think that Steph needs to stop getting off to slow starts. Like, I need Steph Curry to come into the game and start hitting shots, like, right off the top. He, needs, a, the he needs Devin Booker's first quarter, yeah, where Dev like, comes out and scores 16 points in the first quarter and goes on to score 40 in a game. Like, we haven't seen the the 30 from Clay, 30 from Steph game yet. And that's what I'm telling you they're capable of. I'm not saying, you know, they're going to get that every game, but but – this series, the reason that the Celtics won last night, yes, because of the physicality, but more so because the Warriors did not come prepared for the environment. They yeah. were not ready to play, you know, in that building against the physicality. And so they weren't they weren't playing to their top end. I still maintain, even if the Dubs lose this series, I maintain their best is better than Boston's best. The problem is, is that the Warriors seemingly don't show up uh regularly they don't show up enough which is surprising to me so that's why i say like Mm -hmm. obviously game four is going to decide the series obviously it's a must win for the warriors but i i just think that steph and this kind of plays into the steph versus lebron stuff that we've been hearing this was never a conversation with lebron and i don't think that it's a fair comparison to compare steph to lebron just because they're different players but i i will say that if we're going to do it Steph deserves some criticism for the fact that he's not showing out the way LeBron showed out in in against this team. Like we have a direct head up comparison. LeBron dominated this team repeatedly, yes. you know, and Steph hasn't done that. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's going to be a fascinating Friday night. Yeah, it is going to be a fascinating Friday night, and I think it's going to determine who's going to win the championship. I really do. I mean, if 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 Golden State's not going to win a game in Boston in, in these first two, and that would obviously only happen on Friday night, Boston's going to win the championship yeah. because they they have something there. I think they may have found something, and they may have found a way. And, again, what did you say? Who does Golden State miss? James Wiseman. They miss they miss James Wiseman because Kaminga's clearly not ready. I mean, it, it, Steve Kerr is using pretty much every asset that he has, and – you're not seeing Kaminga, and the guys that you are seeing, I mean, Looney's playing his ass off, but when Looney's out of the game, they go, they get really small. I mean, they get really small. So something to keep in mind. Let's get some more of your comments in here. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Snooka! What's up, Snooka? What's up, Snooka? BB says, Rudy is way better. He is by far the best defensive player by a lot at his spot. But that's not the, the conversation. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Is DeAndre Ayton better than Rudy Gobert? I'm here to tell you he's not. And it's not because of Rudy's defense. It's because of DeAndre's defense. So DeAndre is a superior offensive player to Rudy Gobert. They are polar opposites in what they're very good at. And I would just rather have Rudy's killer mentality defensively. Mm-hmm. He wants, again, he wants to block every single shot. Uh, Neville 93, my guy, what's up? He says, uh, good morning, lads. Question, I've been uh, looking at a lot of videos and I've been seeing a lot of players break records playing the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be. I, you'd have to give me a specific answer on that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, Josh Martin, two more dollars. Appreciate you, bud. He says, Rudy for Kyrie. Well, it's funny you bring that up. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of speculation about Kyrie for Russell Westbrook. 
And I think that makes a lot more sense than you think. But you know what else has been really interesting? There's been a lot of speculation about a Russell Westbrook for Kevin Durant trade. Yes! It's been a lot. And we're going to talk about Kevin Durant here in a minute. But there's been a lot of speculation that Kevin Durant wants to go somewhere and win a championship on his own. And this Kyrie Irving thing, this is interesting because Chaboy! Now, now look at look um, over your right shoulder. Just pet his face for a minute. Oh, hey, baby. Oh. Anyway, wow. the point is. It is National Sex Day, by the way. Just want to, you know, throw that in uh, there. Daddy. Chaboy! Kevin Durant, your right. favorite player. Right, yeah. Who you self-pleasure to regularly. Yeah, I mean, he is the Jesus Christ of basketball. We all know that. Where are those stains on his face? Yeah, I don't know, Anyway, man. the point is. Um, is that a real question? Yeah, it is a real question, Kadizzle. Um, the point is, Chaboy, mm-hmm. I think, needs to go win a championship on his own. Yeah. Here's the furthermore question. If you put him on, if you put him on the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. Does he make them a championship contender? Um, No. Okay, good. I was going to say, don't say it. No. I wanted you so badly they're to be like, bad. oh, yeah. They're just yeah. too. They're, they're a champion. Kevin Durant. They don't have defense, bro. I mean, I mean what were what are we learning from the finals? Do you defense. understand that his schlong is on the floor when he's naked? Like, do you know what how you want good. me to say to them? I mean, do you know how good this guy is? That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> um, I think there is there's legitimate thought around trading Kyrie Irving and not getting a superstar in return. Mm-hmm. And the interesting question is, I think Kevin Durant is good enough to carry a team. I do. Not the Houston Rockets because they're just not ready. Well, he's shown us he's good enough to carry a team. The problem is, is that the NBA is too good to win a championship on your own anymore. But what does that mean? Because it's, if it was just two guys, right? If it was, if we were just talking two guys, about two guys. You can win a championship with two guys. But the Lakers aren't with LeBron and AD. No, right, because no, they're always hurt. Now, you know, I mean, obviously, AD's dealing with a bruised labia continuously. Um, but, okay, probably too much. Probably too that's much. That's HIPAA? It is, HIPAA. Uh, but the point <laughs> is, Anthony Davis is always hurt, right? But they have two guys. Yeah, and they won a championship. If it was enough, but 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 did they? Because yes. how did they win a championship? Kentavious! Caldwell Pope. Yeah, whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying he won them a championship. But He's- how did Mike win six rings? Yeah. Steve Kerr, Bobby Hansen, but John again, Paxson. See, Mike, but still, in that era of the league, Mike can be the only superstar on a team and win a championship. But he wasn't. But he, let me let me finish this thought. Because mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Steve Kerr's the reason the Bulls won a championship. Right. Mike and Scotty are the reason they won those championships. But Steve Kerr hit the shot when the shot had to be hit. Mm-hmm. And if you look at if you look at Golden State. Your role players are why they're going to win or lose this championship. If you look at Boston, who's going to win them a championship? Robert Williams is not the reason they're going to win a championship, but he is a very important player for them. If you look at Brooklyn right now, they don't have very important players around Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. And I think what you need is, I would agree, you need a a 1B or a Mm 2. Kyrie wants to be a 1. I think if you trade Kyrie, if you ship his ass out, and you bring in a guy like Russell Westbrook, they're probably not winning a championship in Brooklyn. No. Now, having said that, if you trade Kevin Durant, and let's say, because there's a lot of people who think they that you could do a Kevin Durant-Anthony Davis trade, the Lakers are winning a championship. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, they're I mean, winning they a championship. Kevin Durant. They're winning a championship. Yeah. Right. If you if you trade Kevin Durant somewhere where you have a solid number two option and a good group of Damian role players, Lillard. if you traded him to Portland, I, real. I'm telling you, it doesn't. When you have a guy the talent level of Kevin Durant, you don't need LeBron and AD. You just need to facilitate for Kevin Durant. What was the issue with James Harden and Kyrie and Kevin Durant? There was no alpha male. Yeah. None. And I think it's the problem with the Lakers this past year. I think it's the problem with the Jazz. I think it's the problem with Dallas. Luka Doncic wanted to be the only guy. So it was not hard to scheme against them. But having said that, Rudy for Kyrie doesn't work at all. Yeah. So, Josh, I, that's a great jump off. We're gonna, By the way, Kevin Durant in five minutes, I promise you. Um, Strange Clouds, what's up, my man? Good to see you. You say Conley sucks, but then act like he makes a huge difference on another team. Conley doesn't suck. Here's my succinct point on Mike Conley. Mike Conley is no longer a foundational piece of a championship team. Mm -hmm. But you know what he is? He's the cherry on top of a Sunday. He's a guy that if you put Mike Conley, if you put Mike Conley on the Boston Celtics, they are a much, much more dangerous team. Because Mike Conley doesn't need to shoot to, to win games. Mike Conley is is adept at throwing lobs to Rudy Gobert. Mike Conley is adept at moving the basketball one extra pass because Grant Williams is open in the corner. Mm -hmm. Mike Conley makes sure that your best player gets the ball. It's Mike Conley would be an excellent number two coming off the bench in Phoenix yep. because we'd no longer have a situation where Devin Booker goes four, five, six possessions without touching the basketball. Thanks. Right? Mike Conley does not suck. Nobody that plays in the NBA, and please hear me on this, because I hate the phrase, well, he sucks. Can we just eliminate that from our vernacular? You're casual. If you're in the NBA, you don't suck. Mike Conley is old. Mike Conley had one of his worst years of his career this past year, Yeah, and he was healthy most of it. The problem for Mike Conley is he's not the same player he used to be. That doesn't mean he can't be effective. It yeah. doesn't mean he can't play second fiddle to a guy like Luka Doncic. The problem is in Utah, they're asking him to be a number one option. They're asking him to be a really important player, and, and he's not a leverage player anymore. Yeah. That turnover in the paint in the Dallas series? Killed him. It's what it is, man. Say la quesadillas and stuff. You know I'm what I'm sorry saying? sorry you're offended by that. Yeah, like he's just not that guy anymore. Did you say say la quesadillas and you stuff? You know. Quesaras or quesadilla, whatever it is. Mexican pizzas, I don't know. This my is point fucking is, America. Yeah, man. My point is that Mike Conley still got tremendous value to a championship caliber team. But if I'm you're going to say this again. You're asking him to be a starter and a leverage guy, you're making a mistake. So, Strange Clouds, that's my thought on it. Brandon Butler, what's up? He says, all the narratives has been the Jazz are rebuilding to keep Don. If, if that is not what Quinn wanted to run, that could be why he left. Quinn Snyder left for a couple of reasons. This isn't hard. Don't this is not hard it. at all. And again, I I talked to my jazz guy specifically about this. And we had a very blunt, honest discussion about it. Quinn Snyder had a perfect storm of I'm out. The hip surgery, he he was dealing with burnout. We talked about that, I think, in December. Yeah. There was the trade deadline was the final nail. They didn't make adjustments to the roster. I think Quinn Snyder, heartbroken is probably too much. 
he felt sadness over the Joe Ingles situation. Well, look, I think I think what the first thing, take the hip surgery out of it, take this season out of it. The first thing you got to understand is it's been he's going on a decade here. Like we can't forget that it's been a long time. Grinding. Like he's worked really hard for a long time. Yes. Ninety percent of that time was with the former regime. So anytime you get a new front office regime change. Yeah. Anytime that happens as a head coach, you have to, you have to think about it. This is why I said the day, the day that that came down when we did the show, Hey, if you're Quinn Snyder, if you're Donovan Mitchell, this situation forces you, it's not a choice. It's forcing you to think about your future. That's just, that's just what we do. It makes you look at how things are changing for you. And And frankly, I mean, you have to figure out if it's a good fit for you. I agree with that. I think I think I think there was just a lot of failure and failure does ugly things to people. Mm-hmm. And I think Quinn just needed a break. I think that he wanted more input on the roster. I think he was upset about the deadline. Yep. I think he was he was sad for Joe Ingles because those two were very close. And it I think ultimately at the end of the day, when you can't have more say on the roster, you don't know who you're going to be coaching. You don't know who's going to be here or not. You, you, you just, it was just time. It was a perfect storm of, I just, I, I this just isn't who I am anymore. It's internal. So I, he's going to coach again. Yeah, no doubt. There's, there's no, no doubt, doubt about, about that. It. Yeah. Cody Strickland. Good morning. He says new rumor, John Stockton, consider assistant coaching for the Utah jazz. I don't see how John Stockton fits into Ryan Smith's organization. Yeah, it's not going to work. This And if you don't know what the reference is, go look it up. We don't need to get into the it. The stuff of the period that we can't talk about where the stuff in the arm and you did the thing on your face and stuff. Um, Ask Gonzaga how they feel about John Stockton. Yeah. And then I would consider Ryan Smith a pretty liberal guy. You know. I don't see how that works. I, I, I just don't. James Knight said, did you see Vogel is going to interview for the jazz job? We did. Yeah, we talked about that we did. yesterday a little yeah. bit. Uh, Tanner Plummer uh, says, guys, guys, guys. Hey, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. Just a quick question. So um, <clears throat> uh, who was the best forward on the Utah Jazz Summer League team hey, in 1993? Hey, guys. And um, do you remember what he averaged? Um, Donnie, please. Talking with Raphael Podcast. Good morning. What would be the best for the Utah Jazz, for Boston to win the finals and hire one of their assistant coaches or for Golden State to win the finals. Um, and we can hire the Boston assistant coach. Well, I think Johnny Bryant's probably your best option. Yeah. So I don't know that it matters if they win or lose, you know, uh, James Knight says, stay off the Mexican spinach, Jake, Jalen Brown, please. Jalen Brown is better than Donovan Mitchell. Oh, I totally agree, Jake. It's not even a question. Tanner says, yeah, I'd rather have Rudy other than Kyrie or AD. At least he wants to play basketball. Agreed. Um, Kay Nuren, good morning to you. I would like to take Rudy's defense wins games. I would agree. Agreed. Does KD on the Jazz make them a championship team? KD and Donovan Mitchell together would be phenomenal. Yeah. Don would turn into a pure point guard at that point, though. But you still need a power forward. Yeah. And you got to get better defensively. Cool, so cool. Junior says Aiton is better because he is younger and he showed he can evolve offensively. If you have a coach who believes in him, he probably gives you everything on D. Could be. That's not a bad point. Uh, Tanner Plummer says this is actually a legit debate in the NBA. Did Kwame Brown suck even though he was in the NBA? Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. Why do you say dumb things? (laughs) 
fucking interesting, man. Why, why do you say stuff like that? <laughs> why Why is Kwame Brown being referenced on our show? Better basketball player, Kwame Brown or Kwame Lasseter? Hey, guys. Come on. Come on. Benoit Benjamin? Jesus. I don't get down like that. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, guys, guys. Greg Ostertag or Kwame Lasseter? So you have no frame of reference here, Donnie. Kwame Lasseter is a football player. It was just a play on Kwame. See what he did there? The Kwame and the Kwame in the in the in the stuff kind of, you know, in machinations and stuff. Because it's it's National Sex Day. <clears throat> right. Um CSCJ. Cool so cool. So, oh, CJ, so, so see what he did there? That's an acronym, letters, and and, and it all works together. Conley can't play for Boston because he can't play D. You gotta play D. You doka not Quinn. You just gotta. Okay. Sounds um, like a lot of D. Leonard Don and Endelov says I'm back. Well, well that's we're saved. Thank you. We're, okay, thank good. you. We're saved. Uh, how confident are you that Jazz can get Aiton? Not at all. They're not going to get. Nah, DeAndre. it's not happening. It was just a. That was a discussion. hypothetical situation. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Right. Jack uh -huh. Del Rio. Mm, Jack Del Rio, the head coach of the Washington Dickheads. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's Thursday, man. I haven't had. A I'm, lot of we're sleep. we're admittedly before we get to this, we're a little over this week. Can I just say that? We're yeah, this week over. has been. A this train week ride. can go ahead and end whenever it's ready. This week can go blow me. Yeah. Um. This week has not been a good week. Mrs. Monty's out of town. We're gonna get to a dog throw up story. Our pets' again. heads are falling off like they're playing on the live golf tour. Like yeah. this is just unbelievable. But at least, but at least they have a lot of dog food because they're getting paid. Make sure you hit subscribe and give us a thumbs up. If you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up. If you'd like to leave us a tip. Uh, very much like our best ever listener, Josh Martin, has done $7 today. Just go ahead and hit the dollar sign at the Every bottom. Every dollar helps. Because what happens is it highlights your comment, and then we read it as soon as you give us money. So Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. We can afford free donuts. Uh, Man, hit subscribe. Donuts. We can get donuts. Damn. I mean, I can get you a toe. I can get you a toe. <laughs> uh, wow. That's a big Lebowski. Wow. We're at 4516. Hey, listen. Right here. There it is. Right here. There it is. Where it's coming. Jake's pulling it out. Yeah, I just whipped it out. PS5 at 5,000. We are under 400 or under 500 to go now. <sighs> Rolling. Yep. Rolling. Josh Martin, another $2. We're at $9 on the day. Let's go. Uh, what would be the perfect offseason for the Jazz? Trade Rudy for a package that includes a dynamic wing defender uh, and whatever you get to replace him at the five. Okay, cool. A chocolate long, John. Bro, what? stop. I'm hungry now. I'm sorry. Anyway, so I thought you were thirsty. That, the, that first trade there, then I think you got to package a trade uh, around Boyan. Package. Yeah, package. <laughs> uh, I think you got to package a trade around uh, Bogdanovich, uh, and hopefully you can get some draft capital out of that, a pick or you know, second rounder maybe or something like that. Yep. And then I think you got to explore Mike Conley. I, I, I just think that Mike Conley has a lot of value for playoff contenders, as we were discussing. So I think – those three guys are the guys that I'm looking at. And don't be surprised if, you know, the, the Jazz are forced to package in a Royce or I got to imagine teams are going to ask for Four Jordan Clarkson. new starters would be yeah. ideal. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Jack Del Rio, the, the Washington football team. Right. The Washington Commanders. The Commanders. Who are in command of nothing but your mom. Um, The Washington football team. Right. <clears throat> Jack Del Rio is their defensive coordinator. And Jack Del Rio is a lot of things. He's a good football man. He is a good defensive coordinator, a politician. Jack Del Rio is not. Because it's kind of hard for me to say I can 
realistically look at it, I see the images on TV, people's livelihoods are being destroyed, businesses are being burned down, no problem. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol, well, there's no, nothing burned down. And we're not going to talk about, we're going to make that a major deal. I just think it's kind of two standards. And if we apply the same standard and we're going to be reasonable with each other, let's have a discussion. That's all it was. Let's have a discussion. Mm, we're Americans. Let's talk it through. That's all it was. I'm for, I'm for us, you know, having a great opportunity to Shut have up, a Jack. fulfilled life. I, I, yeah, listen, listen. Jack Del Rio, the, the defensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, just called the 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 what what's the right way to describe this? Jack Del Rio just called an attempt to overthrow the government of the United States of America on January sixth a dust up. People's livelihoods are being destroyed. Businesses are being burned down. No problem. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol. I agree. He's talking about the Black Lives Matter riots and protests. And he is talking about how businesses were burned and looted. And he says that everybody was fine with that. First of all, very clearly, everybody was not fine with that. Yeah. Very clearly. Yeah. Second of all, when you call the, the insurrection on January 6th a dust-up, you just wash away the fact that three Capitol Police officers would likely be alive today if the dust-up had never happened. And then we have a dust-up. You have a, an officer who died of a stroke and two other officers who committed suicide in the days following the insurrection. Yeah. You completely discount the fact that you have the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, telling the Secret Service he needed to march down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol mm -hmm. on that day, which, by the way, he didn't do. You have an entire process of our free and fair elections, which there is zero evidence that anybody stole votes from Donald Trump. In fact, it's just the opposite. It was an attempt to overturn a free and fair election and overthrow the government so that this guy could stay in power. That's not a dust-up. And by the way, I would also remind you that nobody was okay with what happened in Minneapolis and Portland. Nobody was okay with any of the riots and the destruction, the birth of Antifa, the, the nine minutes it took to suffocate George Floyd under the knee of a white police officer. The, the idea that, well, you know, these riots and looting, when you say what Jack Del Rio said there, all you're doing is discounting and, and writing off the fact that all of this happened because George Floyd was murdered in broad daylight on a street in Minneapolis because a white police officer knelt on a black man's neck for nine minutes. Nine minutes. 
Nine minutes. That's He's still saying it as it sounds excessive. Where all this started. So you comparing the riots of the summer of 2020 to what happened on January 6th is completely ridiculous. Oh, by the way, did I mention that you work in Washington, D.C. for the Washington football jokes? And you might want to have a little perspective. You might not want to be completely tone deaf. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol. This is unbelievable, man. You can't have a job in the National Football League. Yeah. Unless you work for the Washington football team. I just don't think my, my biggest thing here is not that I'm looking to censor people or anything, but I just think that when you're specifically in the NFL, but, but overreaching into all sports, you, if you're going to speak on these things, man, you better be like on point with it. You better be like factually sound and, and everything like that. Like, like that's why I think that as much as we criticize LeBron on the show for not speaking, that's why I think he doesn't speak on these things a whole hell of a lot, you know, publicly. Like, you don't hear him out there constantly talking about this stuff because I think the risk is really high for these guys. This is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard out of out of uh, a guy who's been in the league for, uh, I mean, what, what 20, 20 years, years minimum. probably? I mean, this is this is like a, a, a football lifer. I mean, this is someone who's well-established. This is really dumb. Yeah. And it just is, this is what's wrong with our country. We can't talk about things. And by the way, here we are again, standing at the crossroads of sports and politics because yeah. they run together so close together. Yeah. And I just, I don't care if we have differing opinions, you know, like one good example is Ruff's official yesterday saying that we wanted to, to silence him or we want to silence anybody. But when you say stupid shit, you're going to get called out for that. Yeah. You're going to get called out for and, that. And we have to be you better know, like, about acknowledging the difference between sharing man. opinions that are well thought out and just saying stupid stuff. Like, like I think that this, what Jack said here, falls under the stupid stuff category. But it is a conversation. It is a conversation. But I think with people like Ruff's Official or any of the people that we've had over the i mean we've we've only been on youtube what i mean uh, less a year than a and a year, half i guess or or has it been more than a year whatever i mean less than two years or whatever not a long time but in the time we've been on youtube there's always been a, somebody who comes into the comments and inevitably wants to call a bunch of people stupid and idiots and you're just a hack and like you know they make it personal and stuff and, and my point here is just that i understand that jack del rio clearly has some you know, passionate opinions on, on, you know, January 6th and, and the BLM stuff. And I respect yeah. that. I don't have an issue with you having an opinion on it. But what I do have an issue with is that you're a, a major name in, in the NFL and you have a responsibility because of that. So you can't just come out and say this. And stuff you like that. work in Washington, DC where work, three yeah. officers died in the wake of the quote. And unquote, we have a dust up dust up like how that's tone deaf problem. are you man that's a problem dude that's a and, problem and by the way it's the watch and i won't i hate the name commanders i'd rather say washington football team yeah. but whatever you work for the washington football team that's riddled in scandal man yeah. like another bad look just so tone deaf yeah man another bad look Kane Nuren says, just keep politics outside of sports it's really difficult to but, do that because they're so similar it is it is I think but, it's almost but let's, impossible. But wait, wait, wait. Let's just get to the, you know, the, the core of it. 
why are we running from these things? We're not trying to run from them. That's not, dude, running from this stuff is not the solution. Like, no. I understand. Listen, I understand that a lot of our listeners come here because it's sort of an escape from, you know, the news and the negativity and the frustrations in the world and, and you know, that thing we're not allowed to talk about and, you know, like all of that stuff. And I really respect that and I appreciate that. But there is a certain point where where politics and sports run hand in hand, whether it's golf, Jack Del Rio, like, you know, football, like. Oh, they, the live golf thing is, is a perfect example yeah, of this. Dude, I mean, like, politics and sports play in the exact same circle. Yes, and it, it, I think it's almost impossible to do that. I, I just I, I think. Yes, Greg Hawkins, that's exactly right. There was a time when sports was a way to connect people regardless of politics. Take a look at the Olympics. We've gone backwards. Exactly yes. right. Yes. And and the, the, the hardest part is social media has taken away our ability to have conversations. We can't, you know, like I, I there I've lost so many friends through the, the, the period of time where you wore that thing on your face and got stuck in the arm and we can't talk about it. Um I've lost so many friends through that because of the protests, the riots, and because we can't have conversations. If you're on the left and I'm on the right, it's like we can't talk. And it's it's just, it's foolish. It's just foolish. If you are not willing to be impacted by differing outside opinions that are different than yours, you're 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 never gonna evolve. You're a Neanderthal, man. Yeah. If you're not willing to listen. And let those people's feelings and opinions impact you. You shouldn't be the defensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. And I want to say to that point, though, when we have people like Ruff's official commenting yesterday that we just want to silence him, we don't want to silence you. But you have to understand that when you make it personal with people, then that's when it becomes an issue. It's okay to come into the comments and speak your opinion. That's fine. If you want to say that Rudy Gobert is the MVP of the league and, and you know, whatever— that's fine, but don't call the guy who thinks that Donovan's better than Rudy an idiot. Yeah. You know, like that's when the issue comes in. Yeah, I just if you're gonna say things, you need to be able to back that up. Yeah. That's that's what I would say. Please. Yeah. Speaking of back that up, why don't you go shop our affiliate links right now in the description of this uh podcast? If you're listening on podcast, bless your heart. Um, we appreciate you everywhere you listen to the show. Um, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on podcast, check out the description. All of our affiliate links are below. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. Um, because I think one of the interesting things is that Kevin Durant yesterday said sports radio makes him nauseous. Mm -hmm. Said it's nauseating. Jake, is sports radio broken? Yeah, I mean, I, whether we want to say it's broken or just not relevant, I think that's accurate. I think that sports, sports talk radio for... Nine out of 10 markets in this country is vanilla, not relevant, not compelling it, not a, Hey, I got to listen to that everyday product. I, I think that that's unfortunately where it's gotten in it. And I think this is something that, that you can speak on too, but, but I think the industry, you know, 20 years ago was powerful. You know, the industry 20 years ago had names. It had dynamic talents. It had guys that you connected to on a personal level. Yeah. And now it's a thing where, and I don't know if it's because, well, I know partially it's because the industry won't pay talent as well. I know that's one of the reasons, but, you know, whether it's the money or the culture or the, you know, whatever, you just don't have those dynamic talents anymore. So we talk about all the time on the show how, like, I, like, yesterday we were listening to Spence again, you know, 
and I, I, I appreciate what he does every day, but I have no problem saying that I do think, like, for me, it's just a bit too slow of a product. It's not as dynamic as I need it to be from a conversation standpoint. I just don't relate as well, and I find myself struggling to relate to sports talk radio personalities, yeah. and that's why I'm not, like, like, one of the things that we're different on is he listens to a ton of sports talk radio stuff. I don't I listen do. to a yeah. ton of sports talk radio stuff. I I put a lot of time and effort into this show. I may you know get like a snippet of Rome uh, a couple times a month or or Spence or like just like little spot checks or whatever. And that's pretty much it. I don't have like a show that I'm like, damn, I got to listen to every day. I think sports talk radio has changed, but it has not evolved. And I think when you you I'm 49 years old. I grew up listening to Jonathan Brandmeier. I grew up listening to Kevin Matthews doing talk radio, Larry Lujak doing talk radio. Um, in sports, I listen to Mike North in Chicago, um, you know, WFAN in New York. Like when you had power, titans of opinion, when you had the ability every day to get on the radio and interact with human beings, you don't have that ability anymore mm -hmm. because. I agree with you. Money is a huge problem in, in the spoken word formats. Music radio is dead because there's too many other options now. When you look at sports talk radio, sports talk radio should not be in trouble. But it is because radio companies don't invest in talent. They don't develop talent anymore. If you look at, if you look at radio, every market's a little different. Like, for instance, in Phoenix, you don't have young well-developed talent on the radio there. Yeah. You have the same old dudes. You look at Chicago. Their, their talent is young in Chicago, but it's not dynamic. You know, like, I, I mean, when I listen to, when I listen to sports talk radio in Chicago, like, I mean, Matt Spiegel and Dan Bernstein are probably the two guys on the score I listen to the most in Chicago. But, you know, yesterday, what were we listening to? The Bulls podcast on CHGO was live. So we listened to a bit of that. Um, Jason Goff's another guy that like, Hey man, he's a young, young dynamic talent, but he's also really important because he's a, a, a really strongly opinionated black man in the city of Chicago who has great, well-educated, well-thought-out opinions on sports. The problem is most of his competition are not well-educated or well-thought-out. Most of the sports talk radio hosts in this country are not well thought out or well educated. There's a lot of guys who just roll in and don't do the job because they're not paid to do the job. Mm -hmm. A lot of sports talk radio hosts have three, four, five side hustles. So they don't put the time that's necessary into doing ta topic development. They don't put the time into making phone calls. Like yesterday, I, I, I have a full-time job and we do the show. But I'm still calling people and talking to sources all day long yesterday, trying to get in touch with this guy's agent, trying to get in touch with this guy. Try, like, it's a full-time job, seven days a week. And so many guys won't tweet. So many guys won't Instagram. So many guys won't TikTok. It's a 24-7 medium. Our, our listenership is at its lowest when we're live on YouTube. Our listenership is at its highest 12 hours from now our listenership is at its highest. That's the nature of the beast anymore. 
And we don't do things in radio. The reason we don't work in radio anymore is because you're not allowed to do things yeah. that help you win. You're not allowed to sell aggressively. You're not allowed to do, well, a podcast is just clipping the show that was live. And you're not allowed to spend your time doing sit-downs with people, doing creative content, because you're not paid to do that. You're paid to do your show and go home. So you don't have, like, one of the things that is so nauseating is you have guys, and like in Salt Lake, they're, they're, the, the major radio player here, 1280 The Zone, is a disaster. Like, it is it is unlistenable. And I, I, when I worked at KFAN here in Salt Lake, I was there two years. Inside of six months, we were winning the ratings. The first 12 months we were there, we made more money than that station had ever made before. And it's because we, we, we didn't really have rules to play by. We, we, we were unaffiliated. So we didn't have to worry about what the Jazz thought about what we were doing. Yep. We went to Pac-12 Media Day. We sent we, we were able to rent an Airbnb. Like we do all, we did all these creative things. We gave away the sports trip of a lifetime to see BYU, Utah, and the Broncos in the same weekend. Like it was amazing. Yeah. But people don't do that anymore. All we hear about is dick pills and sound wave therapy for your balls. Like um, that's what sports talk radio has turned into in this town. Yeah. And, and honest to goodness, you look at the guy in this town that we listen to most, it's Spence Checkets. But he's also a guy who doesn't need the job. Yeah. Like if you look, if you listen to the guys on 1280 of the zone, they all need the job because what else are they going to do? And they've all been there 20 years. <laughs> but who else are you going to listen to? Like ESPN 700 in this town is, is live for four hours a day in the afternoon. That's really it. Right? Like it's damn well, and and Bill Riley in the midday, with all due respect, I didn't I'm not trying to slight anybody, but like I don't listen to Bill Riley's show. I can't relate to it. Yeah. Right? At least I can relate to Spence. You know, like I, I listen to his show probably for an hour a day most. Yeah. Because we work during the day. But I don't know. I agree with Kevin that Kevin Durant. The problem with sports talk radio is there's no accountability. There's no professionalism anymore. It truly is the wild, wild west. Yes. You flip on the radio and it's guys, it's Andy Larson. My biggest problem with Andy Larson is making stuff up. Like Andy Larson has a CAA conspiracy theory about Donovan Mitchell and Adrian Wojnarowski that is not based in fact or any intelligent information of, on any level. And everybody's running with it. Connecting dots. Like he, he, I heard his interview on Spence's show yesterday and Andy Larson's talking about conspiracy theories about CAA. And he literally says connecting dots. Nobody told him he has no sourcing. He has no information. He made up a conspiracy theory. And I think that that's not, and again, I don't want this to come off as bashing Andy. I think that the point here is that is that that happens way too often in in radio and in in media. We what we want to do is we want to say, you know, A plus F equals Z, and it doesn't. You know that 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 doesn't that just doesn't no. add up. You know, and and that's why I say like, I, you know, for us it's just more about having a a a, a real conversation about stuff. Yeah, you know? like and that's the beautiful thing. I don't I don't give a damn if 
if ESPN 700 wants to talk about us. Talk about us. We hear you. Great. Talk about us, you know? I don't care if anybody wants to talk about us. That's great. You're making me. You're like, not breaking me. You know what I mean? And, and, and the thing is, is like when people, I love when we get the new guy in the comments who's like, oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You're casuals. And then three weeks later when we've nailed like five things, they're like, oh, well, yeah, these guys actually know what they're talking about. And that's why I say it's just the haters live in the moment. And if you're real and you're serious about doing a show, you understand that it's a long process and a winding journey. That's just what it is. Yeah, I think sports radio is is very flawed. Yeah, because it's no longer a profession with a process and we would love to do a radio show. That would be amazing. I, you know what? I, I not in today's climate. I would not. We've had the opportunity. Well, I would not, not go back. My I point would is, not. But my point is, is like, you know, in, in a in in a situation where you, you know, like if sports talk radio was more palatable, it's not the medium. My point with that is, it's not the medium. Like radio is a good medium. It is. You know, if you if you come across if you're in your car and you come across a good radio show like Howard Stern for someone who's never listened to Howard Stern somehow, if they happen to come across that, he's keeping that person because it's a good show. It's compelling. You're talking about the things that people want to talk about. And that's what I think ultimately is the core issue. People roll up on radio shows and just talk about whatever they want. Yeah. And cool. I'm not here for that. <laughs> I'm here for jazz talk or or youth football talk or whatever, you know? Yeah, I my struggle is is that you just can't you you get spin. Like you one of the things that I think we're I'm really proud of about our show is you don't get spin. You get fact. We tell you the truth as we see it. And you can disagree with it and we encourage you to disagree with it. Like I think the comment section on this YouTube channel is one of the best parts of this show. Yeah. I I honestly I do. I I love the comment section on this show. Mm -hmm. I think it is it is wildly entertaining. And I think that that's something that's missing. Like one of the things I miss about like K-Fan, one of the great things we had at K-Fan, so we had the, the Max Muscle text line. And we used to have tons of texts every day. And, I, you know, that kind of interaction in radio doesn't exist. Like you listen to, you listen to radio nowadays. I don't want callers calling in. I don't. I think it's terrible for the radio. But there's no reason you can't comment on something or, you know, have a text line or it's a revenue stream, number one. And number two, people, listeners that listen to you want to be heard. Yeah. And they're valuable. Your contribution to the show is invaluable. Yeah. It is invaluable. It truly is. Um, Fat Jesus says, what are the Josh Martin comments with dollar values in them? Um, Josh Martin's comments uh, with dollar values is Josh pays – he contributes $2 to, to the show. His comment is highlighted and we read those first. Every time you pay for a comment, we'll read it. There is no, we get a ton of comments on this show, frankly, every single day. Um, so it's tough to read all of the comments. Um, but if you contribute, if you, it's called tipping, I think on, on YouTube. Um, you know, if you, if you tip us, and write a comment it's highlighted so we see it in big bold it's like that it big blue out. box you see yeah yeah it stands out that's what that is fat jesus gabe levely says call-in radio is absolutely the laziest worst content on the airwaves i would agree with that yeah fat jesus says my contribution is my commentary you're welcome thank you it's i couldn't put a dollar I'm figure real. on it. fat jesus i couldn't put a, a dollar figure on it yeah but i i think that caller driven radio is terrible i would agree with that and it used to be a thing. I'll tell you, I one of the things that I miss about talk radio in this country 
overnight radio, like noon to, uh, or excuse me, midnight to 6 a.m. And really, when I did it, it was midnight to 4 a.m. Um, and it's absolutely the best because you get the third shift worker that is fantastic. And you're talking to cops. You're talking to package handlers. Nobody thinks about those people. No, you're talking to truck drivers. Like, And it's great. Like when I worked at Sporting News Radio, I did the overnight shift. And it was awesome to talk hockey, basketball, football, like with everybody. And But now those days are gone. And it's a completely different deal. Yeah. But, man, talk radio used to be amazing. Yeah. And, again, you know what killed talk radio? Social media. Because everybody's a, a Twitter tough guy. Yeah. Right? Everybody's a – it's just – it's it's amazing to me. It yeah, is what, absolutely what, amazing to what me. What we got going on over there? Uh, nothing. Just a lot of people commented. Josh Levin says, only thing you guys need more of is Yankee, Laker, Cowboy talk. Not enough people talk about these teams. That's not what we're about. That's exactly right. We need more Yankees talk. Uh, Kay says it's about the money. Damn right. Uh, Fat Jesus says, when I found you on the radio in Phoenix, I love that you read our text. Way better than uh, calling guy who thinks he is auditioning for his own show. I would agree with that. <laughs> uh, the PGA Tour suspends 17 golfers competing on the Live Tour event, including Phil Mickelson, according to a memo obtained by ESPN. There you go. There you go. See? Um, I mean- this is an interesting topic. This is... So you have 17 golfers, including Ricky Fowler, by the way. Sad, dude. Who are participating in the Live Golf event in London this week. The um, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan said these players have made their choice for their own financial-based reasons, but they can't demand the same PGA Tour membership benefits, considerations, opportunities, and platform as you. The expectation disrespects you, our fans, and our partners. You have made a different choice, which is to abide by the tournament regulations you agreed to when you accomplished the dream of earning a PGA Tour card. More importantly, to compete as a part of the preeminent organization in the world of professional golf. Agreed. The memo goes on to say players who compete in live events are ineligible to participate on the PGA Tour or any other tour it sanctions, including the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, PGA Tour Champions, PGA Tour Canada, and PGA Tour Latin America. Yowzer. So this would include majors. This would include majors. The PGA Tour announced the discipline less than 30 minutes after 17 of its members or former members who resigned from the tour in the past week hit their opening tee shots in the inaugural Live Golf event at Centurion Club outside of London. Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, and Sergio Garcia are among the bigger names. Uh, Major winners including Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed, Ricky Fowler, and Jason uh, Cockrack are also included. Unbelievable. Johnson and Garcia are among the players who have resigned from the tour, along with 2010 Open champion Louis Oosthuizen, 2011 Masters champion Charles Schwartzel, and Kevin Na. They hope to avoid punishment from the PGA by resigning their tour cards. By the way, it's Thursday, opening round of uh, the Canadian today. Yeah, this is um, this is unfortunate. This is really, really, really unfortunate. Yeah. Because I love the PGA Tour. I do. I like watching golf. I, I Admittedly, I love it. There's nothing like Sunday golf. Yep. I can't root for Ricky Fowler anymore. And I actually really like Ricky Fowler. Doesn't win enough. But I like Ricky Fowler. And again, now I just ask you, 
who's the face of American golf? Because I could have made the argument that it was Phil Mickelson until this whole thing. Mm -hmm. It might be Justin Thomas now. Justin mm -hmm. Thomas sat up on a podium at the RBC yesterday and said, I'm never going. I'm not doing it, which I think is interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. All right. We have a couple of minutes left to talk about sex. It's National Sex Day. It is National Sex Day. Here's a, here's a, <laughs> a serious... <laughs> Right as I say the word seriously, plays Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a serious question. Are you happy in your marriage? Is your sex life fulfilling? Not a good question. <laughs> I actually think it is a good question, Coach. Because to tag with this, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. to tag with this, you also have a study that says millennials enjoy um, being in uh, non-monogamous relationships, which is to say having multiple partners in their relationship. You're casual. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, I think, number one, I'm not OK with it. And I'm a millennial. I'm, I'm, I'm not about that life. That's not that's not my vibe. You know, and I, and I think that. Again, you you know, in the radio conversation, we mentioned the whole social media thing, and and I think the 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 empowerment that's happened because of smartphones is kind of insane. I mean, you 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 talk about all the capability you have with just that one device, and I and it's changed our world. It's changed our culture. It's changed the world. It's changed how people behave, and that's why I think that, you know, for me, it's it's just not. I'm not doing the whole you know, you know, seeing ten people thing. That's not. I'm just not about it. Yeah, I'm not about open relationships yeah it's at just all. not cool i think i am pretty happy in my sex life yeah with you know my i have a really good relationship with mrs monty obviously as most of you know we kind of wear that every day mm -hmm. uh we talk about our relationship all the time she's out of town frankly she's been out of town all week so of course the dog threw up all over the house last night jesus but anyway um the point is yeah yeah, I think sex is a huge part of relationships for men. Mm -hmm. I think men and women view sex completely differently. Yeah. And I do think that sex is a huge part of happiness for men. I think women value sex, but not on the level that men do. Mm -hmm. As men, we sexualize everything from cucumbers to <laughs> and going to the gym. Right. Like, I mean, we, we sexualize everything. Yeah, we do. Um, but I think sex is a part of sex is a big part of of good relationships and i think we don't understand that we don't think about it enough because in our society we don't talk about sex enough yeah well, and i think we're uncomfortable talking about it and i think the, I the connection you get from it i think is super important uh, and i think that that's the undervalued part of it and i think that you know a lot of the a lot of this too is like i think the past couple of years um you know with the thing that we're not allowed to talk about on the show has really stressed people you know it's really the period of time where you had to get stuck in the arm and you yeah. had to cover your face yeah. yeah that that period of time like i think that really stressed people and really sort of pushed people to their limits and i think that ultimately yeah. when people are stressed out and they're not happy and in and they're just you know in an uncomfortable place in life that sort of can push people to do things they wouldn't normally do. So like, you know, as an example, before, before the thing that we're not allowed to talk about in the, in the 20 teens, like millennials were regarded as a generation that was already sad and in student debt and not put in a position to have success, That's right. you know? So it's no surprise that a lot of millennials are good with open relationships. Greg Hawkins says the more attractive you are, the less you desire extramarital relationships because you've always had the option source. I made it up. <laughs> well done. Well done. Oh, more Utah Jazz requests. Dude, they're interviewing everybody under the Dallas sun, Mavericks assistant Sean Sweeney. The Sweenster. There you go. Um, 
And finally. Yeah. Because I have to pee. Right. Uh, free donuts all summer long at Krispy Kreme. Who's surprised? Anytime you see the light on that says fresh donuts now, walk into a Krispy Kreme, they'll hand you a free one. You don't even have to buy anything. Crazy. I think it's a great promotion. You're welcome. What's your favorite donut? Oh, man. Like Probably, if you were going to get one. Krispy Kreme, uh, Dunkin'. Dunkin' Donuts. Um... Bro, are you for okay? Fine, I'll just play the music. It's fine. If, if you if you got a hitty jack, probably that bad. I do. Uh, probably a chocolate long john or an apple fritter. Right. But an apple fritter is not really a donut. Give me a warm apple fritter and tell you what. Tell you what. Here's what we'll do. Then, then we're gonna go today. Send send us a tweet us or TikTok us or whatever a picture of a donut that you got. And there may be a reward tomorrow for that. There may be a reward. There tomorrow may be for a that. reward tomorrow for that. Or you can just watch me pee myself right yeah. now. Yeah. All right. Good talk. All right. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake. <laughs>